Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Yeah, welcome. It is Bowerly, News Radio 930, WBEN, my loves. By the way, coming up later on today, we will have chief executives from National Fuel Gas on to talk. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, I, I, I was wrong. The National Fuel Gas executives refuse to come on this show because they think it's a better idea to robocall you than it is to bring their message out to a much wider audience all at once on the Bowerly Show on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good PR, National Fuel. Good PR. You know, if you'd like some advice on how to do PR the right way, Again, I have to suggest you contact uh, Gina Latuka with the SPCA serving Erie County. I think, you know, you might want to pay her to be a consultant. I'm just saying. Anyway, we have so many places we're going to go. Lucas Buckley is at Master Control today. I'm wearing my Hamlin jersey uh, given to me by Mr. Booker. I might put some pictures up of a very fun weekend. Uh, They uh, did a fundraiser in North Tonawanda for the Boys and Girls Clubs. And a lady named Barbara Hughes, who used to do some work with Sandy Beach, I think, on some of his trips, she was integral in putting together this this, uh, grand, oh, what do you call it, Um, ball, masquerade ball. There we go. Masquerade ball to uh, raise money for the boys and girls clubs. It sold out pretty, pretty quickly. But it was one of these places where you walk in, they've got a lady playing the harp. Right as you walk in, finding a harp player is not easy. I believe, and I could be corrected on this, I think there are only about five people who play harp in all of western New York. I could be mistaken, but that's a number a musician told me a few years ago. It's not a very common instrument for people to be playing. I mean, when's the last time your son came downstairs and said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to put down the guitar. What I really want to do is play the harp. And if they want to play drums, you have my deepest and abiding sympathy and sorrow for your eardrums. But uh, anyway, it was it was a great deal of fun. Very, 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 very much fun. And then uh, yesterday, I'm not going to tell you where we went, but it was stuffed artichoke day yesterday with uh, about 10 friends who just came together. It, it, it's always a cool feeling when you <laughs> when you plan for four people to get together, 
for a dinner on Sunday, and then other people find out, and other people get invited, and before you know it, we have 10 people, and we probably could have had 40 people had we put any real effort into it. And that was just basically flying by the seats of our pants, or would that be the seats of our dresses? I guess it depends on the mood I'm in. I'm I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, good to be with you on this uh, Monday, and I have a bevy of topics. First of all, this isn't really a topic, just an observation, President's Day. Is there, seriously, is there a more stupider holiday than President's Day? Are we all going to sit around today and think about, you know, the Rutherford B. Hayes administration? Can we give that some consideration? And how about Franklin Pierce from New Hampshire? The Pierce regime, what can we, it was magnificent. Or maybe we could spend some time talking about William Howard Taft. Ooh, or perhaps Buffalo's own Stephen Drover, Cleveland, President's Day. Oh, this actually is a company holiday. You might not be aware of that. Technically, it's a company holiday. They asked last week, Wenger did, said, uh, so he he always does this too because he knows the way I am. Um, He said, so Tom, do you want off on Monday? Do you want off on President's Day? Or do you want to work? And I looked at him and I laughed and I said, Tim, this represents the chance for me to put two five-day weeks together back to back. And that hasn't happened in a while. So you better believe I'm going to be working on Monday, President's Day. Because truth of the matter is, I have been sickened, sickened by the amount of time I've had to take off for surgery and recuperation and all that kind of stuff with more coming up next week. Uh, did you not know about that, Lucas? You're giving me a look of tremendous surprise. Oh yeah, no, it's the the next stuff. We'll, uh, it, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. But anyway, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, two five day weeks in a row, baby. I'm just saying that's something. So um, I have a whole bunch of things we're going to talk about today. None of them will involve um, presidents of the United States. Uh, Joe Beamer asked, uh, actually, some interesting information about people being asked, would you rather talk to Abraham Lincoln or George Washington? And I think I'd rather talk with Abraham Lincoln just to say, so, Mr. President, how did you enjoy our American cousin? I know you didn't see the ending of it, but up until... You sockdologizing old man trap. What did you think of the play? But that would probably be in bad taste. But then again, Lincoln himself had a rather, I think our senses of humor would be perfect, perfectly matched, frankly. But Lincoln would be a tremendously interesting person with whom to speak. But George Washington would also be endlessly fascinating. I mean, I don't know if you guys realize it, but you know that famous painting, of Washington crossing the Delaware, which, by the way, was painted by a guy who would have had no idea what it looked like when Washington crossed the Delaware. Um, The Christmas attack on the Hessians, remember that? Okay. Um, That was one of the most ballsy moves ever by any American commanding general in the field. Most of the boats that they tried putting across the Delaware River couldn't get off. They they couldn't make it. There was too much ice. And the guys who actually made it across, they had to march miles. And I when I say miles, I mean miles in roads that were snowy. They were icy. There was a howling wind. It was a nor'easter. They pulled that off 
in the face of a howling nor'easter. And it was an amazing display of courage and bravery and stick to itiveness uh, by the Continental Army and the people who attached themselves to the Continental Army uh, during our Revolutionary War. It was really, really, really an amazing military feat by this country as it escaped the clutches of imperial England, I guess we'll say, back in the day. I think uh, the one thing that I would like to ask George Washington is, Mr. President, um, you know, you obviously, you, you started it all from the presidency. But looking back on your military career, in retrospect, do you wish you would have granted a pardon to Major Andre of the British Army? And you're saying, who is Major Andre? See, right wing for the Montreal Canadiens? He could have been. But he was actually uh, a very well thought of British officer who was caught behind our lines dressed as not a British officer. So he was a he was a full-fledged spy. And just like in World War II, when our guys would find Nazi saboteurs behind our line during the Battle of the Bulge, no questions asked. You're fighting, you're wearing our uniforms, you're behind our lines, you will be shot. And that's exactly what happened. It's kind of like a known penalty of war. But in the case of Major Andre, see, I always thought hanging Andre was a mistake because he could have been used as a bargaining chip, he could have been used as a font of intelligence. There are many things they could have done with Major Andre. Plus, the guy was a brilliant, well-thought-of little man. I say little. He was shorter than I. And he uh, was really a remarkable human being. But the story of Major Andre in the Revolutionary War is very, very tragic. It really, it really is. So I'd ask Washington, if you had it to do all over again, Mr. President, would you have made that decision? Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the answer uh, would happen to be. Now, I'm going to do something that sometimes I've been known to do because as much as certain people, like the voice you're listening to right now, as much as certain people would like to believe that everybody listening right now listens all four hours each and every day, realistically, I know that despite the fact that we have a wonderful and intimate relationship, I know that sometimes you cheat on me with country music. I know that sometimes you cheat on me with satellite radio. Sometimes you cheat on me with a podcast. I get it. We, you know, we started off maybe monogamous, but monogamy for some of you with the radio is just an undoable thing, and you have become polyamorous. So I, I can deal with that. I'm an open-minded guy. Now, I don't need to watch videos of you listening to country uh, music stations. I, I don't need the videos, okay? I just I know you're doing it, and you know we're kind of open in that regard. But we did a, uh, did a program last uh, Friday about, and we did actually talk about it this time last Friday, but I just I want to do this for just a little while today. Because so many people were so passionate about it. And plus, it's President's Day. And even though I'm kind of here, I'm 25% mailing it in. Just, just 25%. Okay, that's all. Um, we talked last Friday about 
the perfect movie. And we all have our choices of the perfect movie. And yes, you are listening to something you heard about this time last Friday, but this is live radio. This is not a recording. But generally speaking, most film critics agree that got The Godfather, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, and the gang is the perfect movie. And quite frankly, I'm inclined to agree. It is the perfect movie or it is a perfect movie because we had some calls last Friday with some other movies that I think, at least one of which you can call a perfect movie. One of them, you know what I'm going to say. Maybe you don't know what I'm going to say, but it also is regarded very, very highly by critics and with good reason, and that is Casablanca with, yeah, Humphrey Bogart, Bogart? Humphrey Bogart, uh, Ingrid Bergman, it, uh, and all the other people in, in that movie. It was and remains one of the greatest movies ever made, including a very catchy song that recurred during the movie, in, including many very classic lines like, Round up the usual suspects. In fact, there was a band called The Usual Suspects. But Casablanca, I would have to say, I agree with the caller last Friday during the 5 o'clock hour, an absolutely perfect movie. Does not get any better. Absolutely is on a level with The Godfather. Different genre, but it's on that level. Now, somebody on Friday suggested also Lawrence of Arabia. Now, I have to be honest with you, I did purchase, I promised you I would, and I did, I did purchase Lawrence of Arabia over the weekend. However, I I ran out of time. I did not have a chance to watch it. So not only is it on my list, it's on my very soon-to-be-done list of movies to watch. And there are other movies which, if they are not perfect, they are pretty darn close to being perfect. And a lot of it, let's face it, depends on what we enjoy as far as our entertainment is concerned. Some of you like love stories, and you're going to kill me by saying, Tom, the most perfect movie ever made was Terms of Endearment. The most perfect movie ever made was Brian's Song. See, these are two real pick-me-up movies. And by the way, I think we've established over the years that Brian's song is a movie that any man can cry to. In fact, you actually gain points on your man card to crying when Brian's song is coming to a conclusion about Brian Piccolo. Okay. Now, uh, a lady on Friday called in, and she suggested that Schindler's List was a perfect movie. And if it wasn't perfect, I must agree, it is pretty darned close to being perfect. The acting of that movie is tremendous. And can you believe that Liam Neeson, who played Oscar Schindler, had the career that he has had since Schindler's List? Talk about meteoric. And it's hard to believe. How many of you have seen Gangs of New York? Uh, Yeah, you've seen Gangs of New York? Okay. Gangs of New York, very fascinating movie. 
But how many of you realized that the priest at the beginning of the movie, Prince Valon, V-A-L-L-O-N, how many of you realized that was Liam Neeson? Yeah, that was Liam Neeson. Uh, if you didn't recognize him, that was Liam Neeson. And uh, obviously it had a cast of amazing actors and actresses in Gangs of New York. Now, Gangs of New York, I'm sorry, I cannot call it a perfect movie. I cannot call it a nearly perfect movie. Um, some things about it, just technically, that I, I didn't like, and it's very, very hard to explain. Um, it's entertaining. It's very, very good. But there are just some things about it. It could have been more, shall we say, historically accurate. How's that? I'll just say it could have been more historically accurate. And that's one of the problems that I have with Schindler's List is, look, what Oscar Schindler did was amazing. It was nothing less than miraculous that Oscar Schindler, a Nazi industrialist, was able to save as many Jewish lives as he did by the end of the Second World War. The humanity he showed toward the end was quite amazing in that era. By the way, Hermann Goering also had a brother who, believe it or not, helped many Jews in Nazi Germany. And whenever the Gestapo would come knocking at his door, he'd play the, do you know who I am? You might want to talk with my brother Hermann Goering about what you're thinking about doing. And he was able to get off the hook. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was an interesting fellow. He certainly was. Uh, but many people, and this, this came up uh, during our discussion on Friday, I just, I wish that Steven Schindler, Steven Schindler, I wish that Steven Spielberg at some point during a, a Schindler's List had informed people something that I did not realize until many years after seeing the movie for the very first time. And that was that in real life, Oscar Schindler was one of the main culprits in the beginning of World War II. Because World War II in Europe, most people agree, was started. On September 1st of 1939, when Germany invaded Poland. Now, the excuse Hitler and Goebbels and the Nazis used for moving on Poland was that Polish troops had attacked a German radio station near the border between Poland and Germany. Now, to prove their case, the Nazis showed photographs of dead people wearing Polish army uniforms that had supposedly attacked the German rail, uh, uh, radio station. In reality, those people were not Polish soldiers. They were people that had been taken from German concentration camps, dressed in Polish Army uniforms, shot, and then their bodies dumped at the German radio station, giving Germany the provocation, if you will, it was looking for, to make its move on Poland. Well, you know who was responsible for obtaining, for the Nazis, those Polish army uniforms, right? None other than Oskar Schindler. He was a member of the Abwehr. In fact, he actually did time in prison before Germany had early successes in World War II because he was a spy. He was an intelligence agent for the Abwehr uh, in, in Germany. True story. 
And for as good as Schindler's List was, I wish that that had been referenced in some way, shape, or form. Because for all of the humanity shown in the movie, Schindler's List, he was responsible. I know somebody else would have done it had it not been Schindler. I get that. But, and I don't know, it was probably a need-to-know basis. He may or may not have known why he was asked to get Polish Army uniforms, but it was Oscar Schindler who got those Polish Army uniforms for his bosses at German intelligence, then known as the Abwehr. True story. But the movie itself is dramatic. It is heart-moving. It is soul-wrenching. And I, I do think it was a near-perfect movie. It might be perfect, but certainly near-perfect. Because one of the people in the movie, the lady who kept house for Amon Goethe, who ran the camp, that part of the camp, um, her name was Helen Hirsch. And when they were filming Schindler's List, she actually saw Ralph Fiennes. Uh, and it, it sent shivers down her soul. Because his portrayal of her former tormentor and torturer was so on the money that it brought back those terrible, terrible memories in 3D. So, yeah, Schindler's List, I, I would put, I'd put, if it's not on the list of perfect movies, it's very close to the list of perfect movies. So, I just want to do a quick follow-up to what we did at the end of last Friday's show. To you... What is the a perfect movie? Give us all an example of a perfect movie. You guys love this on Friday, and I warned you I might bring it back on Monday because I'm also gonna I'm also gonna warn you about something because there have been hundreds of thousands of movies that have been made right since the invention of motion pictures, and um, there are gonna be some that you're gonna bring up that I have never seen. There are a lot of great gaping holes in my cultural knowledge. So you're going to have to cut me some slack on that. But I'll do my best to keep up with you. So what do you consider to be a perfect movie? The Godfather, The Godfather 2, Casablanca, absolutely deserve to be on the list. Absolutely. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN, your perfect movie. Follow up to Friday. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, all right. President's Day 2023. Uh, Jimmy Carter, almost 100 years old. Former president of the United States. He beat Gerald Ford back in 1976 and then was uh, defeated soundly by Ronald Reagan in uh, the election of 1980. Uh, unfortunately, Jimmy Carter is on his deathbed. And I must tell you, I was never a fan of Jimmy Carter as president of the United States. As a former president of the United States, James Earl Carter, Jimmy Carter, he did more good for so long for so many human beings that he will leave a remarkable legacy of good and service to the world. He didn't just use the presidency and try to cash in. Jimmy Carter walked the walk. He talked the talk. And I will tell you something that uh, I'm going to be very sad when they put out the announcement that Jimmy Carter has died because obviously he's entered home hospice care. He had been uh, battling cancer for quite a few years. But here was a guy, uh, and again, I speak in the past tense. I hope you'll forgive me. But here, here is a guy who could have done so much to just cash in, cash in, cash in. But he just he he was all over the world trying to make this place a better life, a better place in which to live. Taught for many years Sunday school at a very small church. And, you know, they they don't come finer as a human being than Jimmy Carter. And look, obviously, as a president, I did not think much of his administration. Um, I was glad that Ronald Reagan defeated him in the election of 1980, but in the years after he left office, and it's been almost half a century now, right? Jimmy Carter did absolutely remarkable work, and he's in hospice care right now. Obviously, you know what that means. I know what that means, and it would be very ironic if Jimmy Carter were to leave us on President's Day. In a way, it would almost be fitting that he would. But when you uh, go back and you look at all of the homes in which he was involved, all of the groups, you might not agree with some of the groups in which he was involved, and, and, and that's okay. But Jimmy Carter, when the time comes, 
rest in peace because you, sir, were a great ex-president. All ex-presidents should be like Jimmy Carter. You don't see you didn't see him signing a multi multi million dollar book deal and then buying a home on Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket, uh, living the lifestyle, the rich and famous. You didn't see him doing all that stuff. You saw him doing other things, and uh, it was uh, you know a, a life well lived by uh, Jimmy Carter. Now uh, your telephone calls on classic, not not classic, but perfect movies. Not asking you about the funniest movie. I'm not asking you about the scariest movie. I'm asking you about, in your mind, the perfect movie. We talked about this, again, last Friday during this part of the show, right around this time, and then I took your phone calls the final hour of the program, but now I can take your phone calls unfettered with uh, commercial interruptions or traffic interruptions or anything like that. What to you is a perfect Movie. We had some great suggestions on Friday, such as Lawrence of Arabia, which, again, I did buy, I did download, did not have a chance to watch it. I apologize. I got tied up doing some legal nonsense uh, over the weekend. Um, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. I'll tell you, though, <laughs> for somebody who, who is not a lawyer, um, one of my favorite things to do is legal nonsense. Don't understand half the stuff I'm reading, but I uh, do get off on it. I'm not going to lie. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. And I believe I mentioned this on Friday as well, but a movie that is not typically on the critics' list of the greatest movies or the most perfect movie of all time, V for Vendetta. It's on no critics list of perfect movies. And there are some gaping holes in V for Vendetta. But that is a movie you can watch over and over and be inspired by it. And it really helps you to put certain relatively current events into some context of which you might not have previously thought. And there's another movie I know I mentioned on Friday, which is one of my all-time favorites. And I don't know how this movie has not appeared on most of the lists I've seen, if any, of a perfect movie. And that is Edward Fox in uh, Zinneman's production of The Day of the Jackal. That, to me is a perfect movie. But apparently, to no one else is it a perfect movie. Let's go. And there was even some some 70s nudity in The Day of the Jackal. The Bruce Willis remake, simply called The Jackal, not nearly as good. Not a perfect movie. But the 1973 Day of the Jackal, yeah, I would call that a perfect movie. Yeah, I, I, there's, I can think of nothing wrong with that movie at all. It is gripping. It's entertainment. And one of the things that I think you, you, one of the ways in which you know you're watching a perfect movie, if it's a movie that you turned on and you were just going to watch a few minutes of it before you turned in at night and you could never shut it off, that's a perfect movie. And that was exactly the way it is with The Day of the Jackal. Put it in at like midnight uh, one night many years ago back in the 90s. And I literally watched it all the way through because I just couldn't put it down. Here is uh, Bob in East Aurora. Perfect movie, Bob. You're on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom. Uh, I got three. Well, we're, we're, I'm, I'm limiting you to one. You got one. Okay. You have to pick the All best. Right. 
All right, my all-time favorite has got to be Braveheart and the battle scene. Well, which which battle scene are we talking about? There were several in Braveheart. The one at the end. Well, it's like it's like the third one. The third one, uh-huh. and uh, you know his uh, the red-haired crazy guy. You know he's swinging around that thing with the. The, the spikes in it and that. And, well, was it the uh, battle where the people who were supposed to have been loyal to him uh, actually walked off the field? They sold him right. out to King Edward I, Longshanks? Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. Yeah, I know, sir, Braveheart was a terrific movie. I thought you were talking about the battle scene between Mel Gibson and his mistress around the hot tub. No. That was no, a different no, battle no. scene, though. <laughs> we no. have tapes of that one. But I, but I, 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 I like Legends of the Fall, too. That was No, don't try to work that in on me. Don't try to sneak it in on me because you, you're playing by the rules here. Braveheart, Mel Gibson. Was there anything about Braveheart that bothered you? I mean, it, it was, as you know, it was very historically inaccurate. Well, I mean, it was kind of sad when just before they were going to execute him and he had that cloth in his hand, you know, that was his. His bride's. And then, you know, just before, just, you know, after they took his head off, he dropped that. That was sad. Um, and, and they worked in little people, too. Uh, we used to call them midgets. And, yeah, um, they did. Yeah, and, and that was so, you know, I, I, I agree with you, sir. That, that was a great movie. Is it a perfect movie? I don't know. I don't know why I'm bothered so much by historical inaccuracies. But, yeah. uh, I mean, some I of just, it was I true just, and some it, of it wasn't it was, true. It was compelling. It kept you, and it kept you, you know, interested. And I really liked it with the archers, too, when the archers shot the arrows. Well, that's actually, you know, that's actually a true thing. And as I recall, the longbow, which was the machine gun of its day, the longbow actually was originated by the Welsh. And King Edward I, he culturally appropriated the Welsh longbow for use in the English army. And the the English had tremendous success with it at uh, Cressy and at Agincourt many years later. The longbow was a fixture uh, of the English army and was a devastatingly powerful weapon. It was the hypersonic missile of its day. You know, you know, shot them. I mean, they they should send some longbows to Ukraine. <laughs> you know, don't don't laugh. Russians out. Don't laugh. As a stealth weapon, the longbow could still be very effective. Absolutely. Oh, thank you very much, Baba. Great choice, I think. Uh, Braveheart, okay. perfect movie, highly entertaining. Would I call it perfect? I, I'd have to think about that. But if you ever want to read about a fascinating person, there's a lot on the record about King Edward the uh, First. He was extremely anti-Semitic, by the way. Uh, for those who don't know that. Uh, what else about uh, Edward I? His son really was homosexual back when it really wasn't cool to be a homosexual. And actually, there were uh, a few kings of England back in the day who were uh, of the homosexual persuasion. And tremendous pressure was put on them, obviously, to produce a male heir and maybe a spare. Let's go to uh, Frank in uh, Williamsville. Frank, I need one perfect movie from you just one perfect movie what would it be yeah Tom, i have a movie that i think i may be the only person who's seen it but <laughs> um jeremiah johnson and uh robert redford and jeremiah johnson i i, I love that movie I, I, that's the kind of movie that if i see it on tv i'll stop and watch it 
Um, you can, with it at all? No, I am not. I'm looking it up right now. 1972 Western Adventure. That Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, he's a, he's in the Civil War as a, as a lieutenant or something for the South, and he bags it. So the first scene you see, he's, he's getting off his horse in, in Colorado in, in the mountains. He goes up into the mountains. He's a mountain man, and he basically the story is about um, how he comes to find out how to live that way because he is when he started he was like a rank amateur he didn't even know how to fish and so um and then it gets into some bad dude what are you doing with the phone and it's a really good movie all right, thank thank you very much, uh, Frank. I appreciate the call. Uh, I don't know what happened there with the with the phone, but uh, kind of got a little bit a uh, little bit sketchy at the end. All right, how many anybody else see Jeremiah Johnson? And was it any good? Looking at the synopsis, it sounds like it would be good. Now, would it be a perfect movie? I don't know because that's one of the movies that I have not seen. And as I said at the beginning here, there are going to be movies that I have not seen. I mean, think about it: hundreds of thousands of movies in history. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really, really bad. Um, and even the really, really good ones, uh, it's hard to find the time to see them all. But you know, some of them I've seen, some I haven't. But Jeremiah Johnson, have we any other votes for that being a perfect movie? And it probably would be relevant today. Here's this Mexican war veteran, um, comes back, wants to be a mountain man, but doesn't know how to be a mountain man. So he's basically got to reinvent the wheel, as I understand the story. Sounds interesting. Here is Bill in Medina. You're on WBEN. I get all these dudes calling in. Where are my ladies? Did Joe Beamer turn off all of my ladies? Is it the fact that he puts his head up when he's at the gym, when he puts his hood, his hoodie on his head when he's on the uh, Stairmaster? Hello. I don't know. Uh, Bill, you're on WBEN. Hello. Hey, how's it going, brother? Uh, magnificent, sir. Good. I think an excellent movie, in my opinion, is The Front with Woody Allen. Uh, listed all the Americans, and and they were really blacklisted in real life, like Zero Mosul and on and on. You know, the Saves of Rosenbergs, and that was a turbulent point in our history because people, different people had different beliefs. Not that they were really communists, but it scared our society then that we were thinking outside of the box, and that was all brand new. Well, Zero Mostel, I mean, most people think of Fiddler on the Roof, and that's Zero Mostel. This uh, Woody Allen movie was uh, 1976, and, you know, we hear so much, Bill, about cancel culture today. And back in the 1950s, we also had cancel culture. Please, go ahead, please. That that was Topol that was on uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, I thought Zero Mostel was the guy who gained fame as a Fiddler on the Roof. Let me uh, double quickly double check that. Uh, yeah, but that how many how many times have you watched the uh, the movie? Oh, several times. I'm watching it right now again because there's so much history in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he Zero Mostel was best known for Fiddler on the Roof, but you're saying that it was a uh, uh, somebody played him in the Woody Allen movie. Oh, yes, it was Zero Mostel in the in Woody Allen movie, but it was uh, Topol in the motion picture uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, I'm just I'm just doing a double a double check here on, on the facts. But would you would you um, describe it as a comedy? Was it social commentary? How would you uh, describe it? Well, it's a dark drama about our, our political turmoil at, uh, during the 50s. You know, the struggle for power, you know, with us and Russia and, you know, the purges that both our countries were doing to get rid of uh, different people that didn't have the beliefs 
uh, you know, governments, you know, it was a lot worse than Russia, of course, you know, where they shoot whole families. You know, Stalin was so paranoid, you know, he'd, he'd kill his own brother, you know. But well, our uh, country, we just kind of just made him disappear, and there's nothing nobody could do about it. Uh, well, here's the thing. If, if you look at Russia, anti-Semitism in Russia had a very long history. The czars who oh, preceded the Bolsheviks on. were notoriously anti-Semitic. They'd send the Cossacks out and they'd purge villages of Jews. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. The, 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 even even today, you know, the, the Jews are persecuted. You know, I don't know what the situation did. is. I don't know what the situation is today. Uh, but the uh, Stalin, you, it's funny you mentioned Stalin because his, uh, his people, there, there was something called the Jewish doctor's plot. And basically they accused every Jewish doctor from Moscow to Stalingrad to Leningrad of uh, being in a conspiracy against Joseph Stalin. Yes. And uh, some people say and historians agree that uh, Stalin killed more Jews than Hitler did. I don't know if that don't know if that is true. Stalin once notoriously said, "One death is a tragedy; a million is a statistic." Right, right. That's like a mass murderer. That's one guy kills one guy; he's going to get the electric chair. But he kills a hundred people; he's a god. Sometimes know? I wonder if Joseph Stalin's anti-Semitism had some roots or some connection to his disdain for Leon Trotsky, who was a Jew. And Stalin outmaneuvered him after the death of Lenin, and Trotsky ended up being murdered in uh, in uh, Mexico City. And Lenin actually, uh, Trotsky ran the Red Army at the beginning, and Lenin actually wanted Trotsky to be his heir apparent. And Trotsky, understanding how rampant anti-Semitism was in Russia, said, do you really want a nice Jewish boy to be, you've already got enough trouble. Do you want a nice Jewish boy by your side so openly? I don't think so. Well, see, in that in that time period, Stalin was so paranoid. He he, he uh, wanted power. He didn't want Trotsky to take over because he knew his ideas were more complacent with the world. And he would have been like, well, say our beautiful Jimmy Carter. You know, look what he did for our country. He wanted to bring us all together. He pulled us all together after Vietnam War ended in '75. You know, we like my mother would say. I said, "Well, how come, Danny? They, we want to break away from reality." You know, I got Jaws, Star Wars, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, all those great movies they come out in the seventies. You know, helped us to heal and, you know, not to worry about all the gas crises and you know, uh, picking up after Vietnam and. Just on and on and on. You know, it was a beautiful part of our history. You know, I, I would say, I would say, uh, yes, Jimmy Carter did bring us all together as president, uh, together with high inflation and misery. Uh, but uh, as an ex-president, um, you know, Jimmy Carter was a great human being. He was, you know, he brought the, the he wanted the Arabs and Jews to get together, and he first started the first, you know, peace talks where they all shake hands and hug and kiss. Yeah, and he also he he also saw what was going on in Iran too. There were a lot of really. Uh, Really interesting things that happened during the Carter administration, and I do wonder what oh, yeah. might have been different had there been somebody else in power. Um, you know, very... He wanted to help the Shah and, you know, and just make things better, and they killed their own leader. You know, then the committees came in, and they went to back like it's, you know, the fifth century again. I had a school teacher that lived in Iran and used to teach. He goes, Danny, it was just like here in the 70s. You know, the girls wore miniskirts. You know, they had malls and stores and— you know, the technology was just leaping and bounds because of all the money. 
you know, the American money is worth so much more than the dinar. And, you know, that's just everything. When the communities took over, it's just like they forgot how to run the power stations and, you know, to, to fix the dams. And, of course, they things fell apart. You know, it's sad that they wanted to do that to their people. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the caller. Okay, uh, Woody Allen, The Front. But how many of you have a problem watching Woody Allen movies now because of his personal situation? And it's interesting we mentioned this because another perfect movie, I think, is The Pianist. And you know who was behind The Pianist? Roman Polanski, who was married to Sharon Tate when Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson family. Uh, but Roman Polanski, there's a reason he's not come back to the United States. And if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.